Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Cutoffs and Coffee, episode 35. We are your hosts, James and CT from T3 Performance, as always here to bring you a great conversation with today's guest, Corey Morrow. Corey is a performance coach at the Spire Institute Academy in Geneva, Ohio. He's also the defensive backs coach at Perry High School in the same area. He's a former Akron Zip, and he was a walk-on turned scholarship player turned professional football player. So we spend a good amount of this conversation talking about what it takes, the qualities you need to actually have success as an underdog story, just like all walk-ons do who play at that level. Um, and then we get into a little pro day training. We talk about what Corey does at Spire and how he really tries to spend a ton of energy inspiring and motivating his athletes to not only be better on the field and off the field, excuse me, on the field and on the court, but also spends a lot of his time trying to help the athletes off the court, um, which is a, which is a big, com um, big point of our second half of the conversation. We talk about that a lot with, uh, with coach Corey here. And this episode is brought to you by the Underdog Roller 2.0. The Roller 2.0 comes with this little carrying case, little straps, so you can store your roller inside. And then inside your roller, it is the store and go roller. So you can open it up and you can put all your bands, maybe some wrist straps, whatever you take with you in your gym bag to help keep that, keep that gym bag organized. And again, this is not your grandfather's foam roller. All right. It is aggressive. So this is going to get deep into the muscle tissue, your quads, your hamstrings, your calves. You'll actually feel this roller. And just like the 1.0 version, we have this slight curve here that snugs right up against your erector spinae while protecting the spine. So we're not rolling around in areas we shouldn't be messing with. Not only is that convenient to take to the gym, but if you're getting on a flight on Spirit Airlines or Frontier, you can pack all your weekend necessities in, in the Foam Roller 2.0. If you enjoy what we're doing here on Cutoffs and Coffee, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also follow our individual social medias where we let you know, we tease out who we are going to have as guests on the podcast. So please continue to support the podcast. We appreciate everybody who listens and reach out to us if you have any questions or you want to hear any of your favorite coaches or high performers on the podcast. So without further ado, episode 35 cutoffs and coffee with Corey Morrow. Enjoy. Episode 35 cutoffs and coffee coach Corey Morrow. Welcome to the show, man. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, fellas. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it, bro. We're, we're looking forward to this one. Want to know a little bit about you here before you dive into your story. And I know a little bit about your story and it's crazy. So I'm excited to uh, get to that point, but tell us something about yourself, man. Um, that we need to know that we can't find from just a quick Google search or an Instagram search? Um, well, there's no better place than this podcast to, to bring awareness to this is my first ever cup of coffee. So I will be taking down this whole cup, hopefully over the podcast. Yes. All right. Um, and it's not bad. It's not bad. I'm, I'm enjoying it a little bit. Definitely. Took my first five sips, feeling a little bit, so it's good. It's good stuff. Have you been anti-coffee, or you just have never? Not, not anti-coffee, just kind of, just kind of never really. You know, a lot of people use it for that kick or that extra push in the morning, but never really felt. I mean, I'm not even a, not a not a pre-workout guy by any means either. So I mean, sometimes here and there, but definitely not against it though. I see, I see the yeah. benefits. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I remember had, yeah, my first cup was at a, 
was at a Denny's on Indiana's <clears> campus <throat> right before I took a test and I drank like three of them. And then I couldn't even <laughs> read the test because my eyes were shaking yeah. so much. So yeah. if Corey starts going out here on his stories, we're going to know that the caffeine's kicking in. Um, another thing, man, tell us a, like a skill um, that you're currently working on or the most recent skill that you've developed, um, you know, to kind of push yourself individually here. Absolutely. Uh, recently, I actually, it was, I lo love to hang out with my guys in the gym, um, even be between sessions before, you know, getting them warmed up, stuff like that. I actually picked up the habit of juggling. Uh, I, I didn't have a lot of spirits in, in juggling, but I think it took me two, three days and it was 10 tosses that we claimed made you certified in juggling. So um, I, two days, got the 10 tosses up. So now I'm, you know, trying to hit 15, 20. So, and add some balls to them only three balls. So beginner level. Dude, that's the second time in the last couple of podcasts we've had people bring up juggling. That's got to get, that's got to be something I get back into. James, you juggler at all? I know you're always around baseball. So I figured. Yeah, in college, we actually had a motor learning class and like part of it was dividing the class up into different groups. You know, one group would practice five minutes, three times a day. One group would practice 15 minutes once a day. And at the end of it, um, we realized that, um, you know, there's just certain people that are good at juggling and and not. So, um, you know, it was kind of kind of interesting. But, um, you know, I definitely can see where you would need to get certified to teach people how to juggle because it's a complex, it's a complex task. Yeah, man. I was learning from 15 to 17 year olds. So they oh, were teaching me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the students become the teachers. Um, yeah. Corey, why don't you talk us through your story, man? Cause it's a, it's a good one. It's a wild one. Um, give us all the details, talk as much as you want, man. And then, you know, take us up to basically where you're at, you know, the, the chair that you're sitting in today. Um, take us up to that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I'll start, you know, kind of a small town guy. I was, I was actually born in Cleveland, Ohio, but um, got a lot of family out there. But my, my close family, we ended up moving to Geneva, Ohio. That's kind of where I'm located now. Um, but I grew up in, in Geneva, Ohio, went to Geneva High School, um, played a lot of sports growing up. So I was, I was a basketball, football, track, and then when I wasn't playing, I was always outdoors playing some type of sport. So growing up, sports were all around me, even throughout my family. Um, so it's always something that came natural to me. Um, graduating from high school, you know, got the opportunity to play Division One football at the University of Akron. Um, I was actually a walk-on there, a preferred walk-on, and um, try to take advantage of my opportunity there for sure. Um, definitely earned my stripes when I got in there. And um, Kind of, kind of hit the ground running. Um, you know, was really blessed and to accomplish some things there at the University of Akron, and um, you know, kind of after the University of Akron, you know, was able to play a little bit of professional football. Um, kind of started on my pro day, and then able to get a couple of professional opportunities and um, excel my career there a little bit. And that's where kind of the strength conditioning took off. Um, let alone, you know, training at a high level for you know, four and a half, five years um, at the University of Akron, it kind of really motivated me um, to, to kind of get my foot in the door in strength conditioning. Um, my pro day was a big help, um, you know, dissecting yourself for three months. <laughs> you, you'll learn a lot about yourself, but learn a lot about the field as well. 
Um, so I was blessed to be around great mentors. Um, our director here at, at Spire, John Wallace, um, he was actually my pro day trainer. So I trained with him, currently work with him now. Um, and I try to be a sponge, man. This guy knows, knows his stuff. So I just try to try to be around it as much as I can and soak up as much as I can. But um, that's where that's where it led me kind of into after after the pro day, after playing professional, you know, a couple of years, um, it kind of led me into just having an impact on others. And I think that's where I've thrived recently. Um, I've been a performance coach at Spire Institute here in Geneva, Ohio for this is my sixth year. A um, couple positions at, at Geneva or at Spire as well. Um, house parent. So I'm kind of like a role model mentor to these guys. I'm, I'm around them when they aren't in the gym. I'm around them when they aren't on the court. Um, I embrace that role a lot because not only I know how important it is to build that relationship, but, you know, some of these guys are, you know, three states away, three countries away from their, for their, from their home. So I definitely want them to feel like home, especially here in my hometown, if I can do anything about it. But um, I've been a performance coach here, like I said, um, going on six years now. And um, just recently, uh, for the past two years, I've been an assistant uh, strength and conditioning coach at Perry High School as well. So I'm assistant strength conditioning coach there throughout the year, um, year round. And then I do uh, coach football as well, coaching defensive backs. So that, that's the position that I played at uh, the University of Akron and professionally. So, um, and that, that kind of leads me where we are today. Um, just looking to lead, lead guys and, and help where I can, definitely. So, you know, we see this a lot with, um, you know, athletes that have said, had success, um, you know, in, in the higher levels of college football and professional football, you played, you know, multiple sports in high school. Um, and then you were able to take that to Akron and, and now you're a strength coach. Um, what have you taken, you know, from your athletic performance career? If there's like one thing that really helped you now as a strength coach, um, you know, be able to communicate to your athletes, um, you know, being, being in their shoes at one point and now being able to help them through their, their process. What's one thing that you, you've really drawn on your own experience to kind of help you with? Uh, I can really say attention to detail. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, in college, um, I, I want to mention my college strength coach, uh, Matt Gildersleeve. He's at uh, the University of Kansas right now. But, but really attention to detail, man. Once, once I made it up in my mind, showing up every day, you know, focus, paying attention to the little details and giving the focus to the little details that he's pointing out to us. Cause I mean, the guy was giving us the keys. We just had to kind of plug it in. So once in my mind, I made it up and kind of like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to follow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what he says. I'm going to take this, take everything to heart and really try to apply it and get the most out of it. And that's when you start seeing in my case, definitely the most results. So of course, I just, I just wanted to buy in more and more and more. So I think that definitely paying attention to details, um, dominating the basics was something that not, not only helped me you know, set the level for myself, but only kept growing and growing up that ladder um, athletically. You mentioned, Corey, being able to pick out something like that, you know, an important principle of the attention to detail, like you're speaking of. Um, I was in a similar role as a walk-on and it's almost something that like we have to recognize as walk-ons because we've got to do everything right because 
there's no money invested in us. Um, you know, we're basically, we have a Jersey, but the next day is not promised. Um, can you talk us through your time as a walk on and what you learned about yourself and, um, you know, what, what you can kind of now take conversationally, like James had mentioned into working with your athletes now that you learned from just being a walk on there at Akron. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was, um, I was a preferred walk on and at a time where preferred walk ons wasn't really a thing like they kind of are in present day today. Um, you'll see guys, you know, posting all the time, got a PWO offer from this place or this place. Um, I graduated in 2012 and it kind of wasn't a time where a lot of guys posted things like that, but let alone wanted to take the opportunity. So um, I think I kind of just had to embrace the situation I was in. Um, and I, I definitely did. I had, like I said, I had good role models around me. Um, I have two brothers and one of my older brothers, um, well, my only older brother, he actually, uh, you know, played professional football, played football, for the University of, of Ohio State. So um, I was motivated growing up. I, I really didn't have to look far for motivation um, or leadership, which which I was kind of blessed on that aspect. But um, you kind of have to just make up your mind, uh, make up your mind and go after it. When I uh, got presented the opportunity after the meeting at my high school, it was kind of like a no brainer. I was kind of like, this is, this is the opportunity that I've kind of been working for my whole life and I wanted to go make the best of it. So that, that's leading up to it. Now you get there, you gotta do all the work. So uh, that, that's kind of the next part, man. You get there and um, I arrived when school started. So training all summer by myself after I graduated um, locally at my high school. And then actually that's the first time before I left for college that I stepped in the facility of uh, Spire Performance, uh, what we call it now. And um, kind of just get trying to get my body right for the next level. So I was, you know, reaching out to, to different people and I got in contact with the former director here at Spire, which is um, Brian McCall. He's actually the head director at MJP down in Dallas now. And um, I, you know, I was training for him for at least two months before I left, um, great experience. And I think it helped definitely prepare me for the next level. Um, you show up there the first day of school, man, and it, it's hectic. <laughs> it's hectic, man. First, first you gotta you gotta scramble around and make sure you got all your equipment for practice and everything like that. Because, like I said, I'm just now arriving on campus, let alone in the football facilities. So, you know, I arrived with probably like five, six other preferred walk-ons. You know, didn't have to try out or anything. Um, we're all getting our gear and talking and thinking, you know, sharing some experiences and things like that. Um, but it gave you a chance to learn <clears throat> kind of where other guys were coming from. And um, I, I call myself a little bit of a people person. So, you know, I like to learn about people, where they come from and kind of what makes them tick and why do they do what they do. So um, kind of starting there and kind of seeing what, what I was getting myself into. Um, we'll fast forward kind of into some practices and things like that. Um, but, but, being a walk-on isn't for everybody. You know, you have, you have the stresses of the everyday life, college athlete, but you also have, you also have the ego factor too. You know, guys are getting paid. You're not, you're working your butt off. You know, sometimes those guys that, that are on scholarship, you know, aren't taking fully advantage of their opportunity. So um, definitely have to stay level-headed um, and it's definitely a process. You know, I knew I wasn't going to walk in there, work hard for a week and earn my scholarship. 
I knew it wasn't that type of situation. So I kind of just tried to embrace the role I was in, you know, put my head down and, and work hard. And I think that's something that that put me in position to not only compete, but to be a to be a big part of the team on the field and off the field as a walk on. So, you know, kind of as you're as you're telling your, your story, you're bringing up a lot of good points that are, are key for high performers in terms of like you're seeking out help. You know, as a high school kid, you're 18 years old, but you know that, OK, I need help to be able to get to the next level. So I'm prepared. Um, and, and then you're you also understand the patience uh, of what you're signing up for that, you know, you might not be rewarded in that first year with a scholarship. Um, what are the steps before that, right? So as, as we are in, you know, high school weight rooms and helping these young kids develop, that mindset that you had, it led you to be successful at Akron and then leveling up one more time and playing professionally. Where does that all start? I think it has to start, kind of like I mentioned, kind of with yourself. You have to, you have to make up your mind that I'm going to dedicate myself to this and you hear a lot about it now, um, you know, dedicating yourself to the process over the product, you know, the product being kind of the end goal or, or the thing that you might want, but, you know, just really looking at the process, dissecting it, understand where you're at, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. And I, I really stress that a lot in the, in the weight room, um, but in, in speed and agility as well, almost every aspect of life, you know, you have to start somewhere. So I think that it's huge to understand that mentally. And, and once you do that, you kind of help make up your mind of where you want to go, what direction you want for your life. And at a young age, especially, you know, we talk about four, 14 to 17 year old kids, it's huge, it's huge. And, and sometimes they don't have a person in their life to kind of guide them or even, you know, lend an ear to, to hear what they have to say or, or the dreams that they do have. So I think that at a young age, it's, it's important to, to make it up for yourself, you know, make your mind up for yourself. Um, and then go, and then go get it. Like, <laughs> like that's what, that's, that's what we, that's what we do, especially in this profession. Like, okay, make up your mind, but now, you know, let, let me help you achieve that. Let me help you go get it. And I think that that's a big role that I, I definitely embraced today. You make a great point there. Um, what, what's interesting about that, the walk-on process too, at least my, my personal experience was, once you get there and once you're in the weight room and once you're on the practice field, you can do things that other people aren't doing, but not get the recognition for it. Or you could work hard in the weight room and ask questions and not get the same guidance as some of the guys in your own position room that they get from the coach, just because you are in the situation you're and you're tagged with this name of being a walk-on. Right. Um, and now I see athletes, in high school and earlier who, you know, want everything given to them, you know, um, sets and reps and answer this question, these very simple things, get this, get this physio ball from this rack that I can't grab. But in, you know, years later, let's say you're, you become a walk on, you're not going to get those things. The coaches aren't, they, you know, and whether that just be the football culture, you know, I don't know if that's what it is. It's kind of like, all right, you figured out, you do your own thing, but I've seen, walk-ons former walk-ons have so much success after college because we had to go get everything on our own because there was nobody giving us anything did you have a similar similar feeling a similar experience while you were there absolutely absolutely man I think that's you can call it the walk-on feeling man like 
you're going to go through that. And um, it's just a matter of when, you know, some guys hit that point earlier, some guys hit it later. Um, I think that that's a thing that, that I kind of prepared myself for, but, but embraced. Um, if my older brother gave me one thing in high school that he told me to do, he said, dedicate yourself to that weight room. Cause that's one thing that's consistent never going to change. And if you, if you want to be, if you want to be elite, you're going to have to be, you have to do the certain things well in the weight room. And I think that I, I took and ran with that, man. I was, I was showing up to all the, the high school workouts. I was even reaching out, trying to find um, extra sessions and kind of how it worked out for me. Those extra sessions sometimes were just by myself. Um, and I think that I grew a lot in those times, but it prepared me a lot for down the road, especially when I got to college and I was, and I was out there by myself. So definitely kind of embrace that. But, you know, you look at, you start somewhere, but then you finish somewhere as well. So I kind of started as that, that walk on that a lot of guys were maybe didn't know a lot about, wasn't highly recruited, but once I got in the building and they saw me work um, and, and then they, they got to know me, man, and <clears throat> seem, see, I could be an asset to this football team. So I think that after I got that kind of respect, I was embraced and um, even from the coaches, man, I, I kind of went from only knowing one coach on staff, you know, shout out to Mike Woodford, um, my safety coach that recruited me at Akron, um, but he's kind of the only, only coach I knew on staff. So I was, I was really trying to, you know, reach out, meet, meet, meet the staff, meet the coaches, meet the guys in the training room and, and build a relationship there. Um, but like I said, started at one point and then, you know, by the time I'm, I'm on scholarship and I'm, I'm a graduating senior and things like that, I'm the guy that is getting called out as a image of what a walk-on should look like. And I, I say that because didn't didn't realize it so much then, but I kind of sat back and, and thought of that. And even now, you know, thinking back, I, I became one of the guys that a coach, you know, pointed out that this is our walk-on expectation. And like I said, I showed up with six guys and, I, and I'm the only one out of that walk-on class that actually got playing time, but let alone graduated with my degree. And um, I really take pride in that. But you know, that just goes to say, you know, you start something, you finish it, man. And it's not going to be easy. And I think that if anything else in life, that's, that's a big lesson that I learned. I, I call it young, you know, college, college kids are still young, man. But uh, I, I learned that at a young age. And I, I think that's definitely helping me translate today into the profession I'm in. Those are all those are all great points. And I, you give me flashbacks, even, you know, hearing you talk about that. Um, let's transition a little bit to, to the Spire stuff. And you had mentioned um, earlier, kind of talking about walking on and showing up the, the day school started. I think what, something that might be lost or that people don't understand is the football team that you're joining as a walk on has been in training camp for about a month of August, right? Before school starts. The, the, the walk on class that year shows up basically the first week of game week, right? So they've already built camaraderie. They've, they're already all best friends. They've already been around people, the, each other for the last month. You then come in as a new guy and you've got to kind of, you know, find people who you can attach to or become friends with who kind of, um, you know, let you join that group, right? And kind of work your way into that team. Um, it sounds like 
kids at Spire are similar, right? You'd mentioned they're, they're coming from, you know, sometime countries away to, to a place that they're pretty uncomfortable where there's a big group of people who've already established themselves as friends and family and training partners. Um, what role do you kind of play of being able to bring those guys in who are uncomfortable with joining a new place and then getting them assimilated with, with the gym and the facility and everything you guys do over there? Absolutely. I think I'm in a unique situation where um, we have our, our gym and our public stuff. I kind of handle a lot of our regional programs, um, which, is, which is locally, local guys that come in and train. Um, but we have an academy aspect as well. So our academy aspect is, is huge. It's, it's on a national spec, a spectrum. Um, we got guys coming in for basketball, swimming, track and field, wrestling. Um, we just added lacrosse now too. So there's a lot of a lot of things going in here, but these kids don't know each other coming in. Not a, not a nine times out of ten, um, some of the basketball guys might have played against each other in AAU or maybe heard, you know, saw overtime post about a guy. Um, but to to come into the same building and build that camaraderie, I think that I'm in a unique position because the house parent role that I play. Um, I see these guys off the court, you know, I'm having those off the court conversations and those are life conversations. Those are, you know, eight times out of 10 have nothing to do with, with, you know, your sport, but, or, or even the gym, but I do embrace my role of, you know, figuring these guys out. Kind of, like I said, we'll make these guys tick, what motivates these guys, um, strength and weaknesses, you know, the, the whole thing, but um, really get these guys to not only buy into what we do here but collectively as a team get them to you know play together accomplish goals together as they're individually rising their stock because you know a lot of the a lot of the goals here are, are athletic scholarships you know they're here for a reason they're dedicating their time and money and and even changing locations you know grinding for that opportunity and I think that it's something I've been blessed to be a part of anybody can talk sets and reps, right? Not everybody can have those, those important conversations. And a lot of times it's those conversations that keep athletes coming back or give athletes the opportunity and the understanding to then push themselves to get to the next level or to or reach whatever that goal is um, that they're trying to reach for. What are, what are some of those conversations you see yourself having off the court or off the gym floor? Um, that you think we as performance coaches need to understand and maybe need to start having more often with some of our, some of our athletes when we see them. Yeah. I think a big question we got to ask these guys um, early too, when you start building that relationship with them is, you know, why, why do they do what they do? You know what I mean? Even if it's okay. Yeah. You, you come and work out, but why are you doing this? You know, I'm, I'm a guy that I love to, to get to know people and set goals. You know, these guys are coming in, obviously, with some goals in their mind. Um, sometimes, though, it's not the easiest thing to, to, to verbalize. So I think that, you know, getting guys to not only realize their goals, but say it out loud. You know what I mean? Tell your friends, tell your peers, because I think sometimes those guys, you know, could help push you and sway you some ways. But, you know, you're you're going to attract a lot of positive energy, just putting it out there, kind of like we talked about manifestation. So I think that it's huge to figure out why they do what they do. Um, but that's positively and, and negatively. Like 
if you have a guy that's, you know, kind of just struggling and he, he really wants it bad, but you know, the details aren't there, you know, he's not, he's not doing things consistently. He's, he's showing up late and even things like that. Sometimes I just ask why, you know, I'm not mad that you're late, but I just kind of want to understand him. I want to understand why you're late and I want you to understand why you're late too. So we can eliminate those things down the line because those are things that the higher level you play at, you, you, you know, as well as I do, those things can get you out the door quicker than, than skill or anything can. So um, just attention to detail, man, try to get these guys to understand why they do what they do. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm laughing about that, that you said that. Um, because one of the things a lot of times I say to these athletes, if they show up late and they come into the gym and it's like, oh, Coach CT, I'm so sorry. I, I had this, 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 right? Or, um, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I was working on this. And and I'm they're always surprised when I'm not upset at, at them. Like, I would yell at them for being late. And what I tell them is like, it's all good. You're, I'm going to coach who's here. You're not letting me down, right? Like, I'm here anyway. So whoever's on time, I'm going to coach them. Jump in when you get here. You're not letting me down. I think a big thing for them to realize is it's the people who have trusted you in this situation who you might be letting down. It's your future self who you're letting down, right? It's not me as the coach, right? I'm going to be here. Like, like you, you mentioned, yeah. you need me. I'm inspired, dude. You need James. He's a T3. Like we're going to be here either way. It's not us. You're, you're letting down. It's, it's the people who, who care about you. And, and that goes back to that whole, why? Like, why are you doing this? Understand that, okay, if you're doing it because the the goal is to, you know, make enough money to move your parents here so you can live with them, like, understand that when you're running late, that that is needs to be the focus. You don't need to apologize to me. You need to, you need to apologize to them. Um, are there resources that you that you have or that you use books or audio books or podcasts or anything like that you that you've been able to give to to some of these athletes to um, kind of help them recognize those kind of things. You mentioned the why you mentioned manifestation or, are there things, um, you know, books and whatnot that you, that you give to them and let them um, read when on their downtime. Not, not or is so it all those books. conversations? Yeah. Not so much books. I have a lot of conversations, but um, you know, social media is huge now and you don't have to go far to find, you know, a great po podcast like this or, you know, motivational speakers or people that do this for a living. Um, so I, I encourage that a lot. And I can start, um, you know, right in the family. I speak of my older brother. Um, he, he has a great platform that he definitely takes advantage of with his nonprofit organization. It's the Driven Foundation. And, um, you know, he, he impacts anywhere from Columbus to Cleveland, Ohio, and, um, and across the world. And he travels and he shares his message. He speaks to corporations and um, you, you can find a lot of that stuff online and you can, you can sit there at midnight, you know, listening to a motivational speaker and you never know when something's going to click, something's going to hit you. And I think the more you expose yourself to that, um, I think the sooner something will, will click and stick with you because sometimes, especially young guys, a lot of stuff is going in one ear and out the other, you know, you hold on to, to maybe a word here, a word there, but sometimes to get the whole message, to get the whole, you know, the whole phrase, it takes a little while. So, I mean, I think that it's something that I definitely embrace them to not only 
reach for in me, you know, reach out to me, but look for guys that you can, you can relate to that, that are doing this for a profession and their everyday lives. You know what I mean? I know guys like uh, motivational speakers like Eric Thomas, you know, that they wake up at six, six or five, six AM and they're shooting a video every day, trying to give some motivation out to the people. And that's something that shoot, even thinking back to high school now, um, that, that's something that really got me going was one of Eric Thomas's motivational, how bad you want to breathe speeches. And I kind of took that and um, you know, made it into my own high school video when we were in computer class back in high school. But I think that just, just being exposed to those things um, kind of opened my mind up a little bit, definitely. When you're, when you're telling these stories, are you thinking about individual athletes, uh, guys you've worked with in the past, guys or girls you've worked with in the past, and and if you are, what are some of the some of the big wins that you've seen um, from from some of the some of these athletes that you've been able to work with consistently? I think one of the hugest wins I see is self belief. Like that translates over almost any squat, power clean, deadlift you could do for me, man. I think when I really see a kid start believing in himself. It fires me up. <laughs> it fires me up, man. I can honestly say it really does because not not only are they, you know, having healthy habits and everything, but they are now growing individually as a person. And I think that's growing individually as a person is just as important as growing physically. Um, and I, I really embrace that. Like uh, just some examples I could think of, man, is, is you have some kids that come in here and then they, they want to gain weight or they're struggling to gain weight, gain muscle mass. And they're like, you know, what can I do? And sometimes they're kind of shocked when I say, when the first thing that comes out of my mouth isn't anything weight room wise. Um, it's, it's starting with the basics. It's starting when you wake up in the morning and, you know, what's the first thing you do? Are you fueling yourself? Um, you know, or did you get the right amount of rest? kind of those things that can give you energy to now you're coming in and you're going to put it in in the gym. And I think that's kind of a key piece. You know, if we're missing that first piece of the puzzle, it's kind of hard to get to that second, third, fourth piece. So I, I find that, that a lot of these guys understanding the basics, you know, um, of everything, of nutrition, of, of weightlifting, of, of everyday life, just healthy well-being. And I think that that goes far with young kids and that especially when you're getting kids that are just beginning you know you start there start there with the details on um, the basic details and like i said it's a it's a pro progression from there i think that's something too that, that kids kind of lose sight of with um you know so much information out there um they kind of lose sight that they don't have to be perfect with nutrition they just have to have a baseline of like good quality habits in multiple areas yeah instead of trying to be perfect in 10 different areas um, and then let their athletic ability express in their sports skill, which they should be excellent at if they want to be, you know, continuing to play at the next level, at the next level. Um, you know, as you're discussing, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about training, a little bit about, you know, nutrition, good quality sleep. Um, you know, as you've been at Spire for the last six years, have you had any moments that have, have kind of clicked or, or shifted your mindset in, in either how you coach um, and communicate or, or, or what you actually do with, with your athletes in the weight room? Yeah, um, kind of just transitioning from player to, to coach, you go from more of a, and, and I'm, I was a team player, man, you got to understand where I was coming from you know, being a walk-on and things like that. I, I was always a team player, but from going from player to coach, you go from 
more of an individualized about me, me, me to now how much can I give of myself to you guys? And that's kind of the approach that I, I find works the best, but it's, it's, it's natural. You know what I mean? Nothing, nothing feels forced or, or anything like that. And I think that that's a huge positive, huge positive with not only getting buy-in from these kids, but, but trust as well. And I like the word James that you said is one of my favorite words that I use is habits. And that's what, that's what we do in this profession, man. If, if I can do one thing, um, and it's to pay off for you in the end, it's create good life habits for you. And if that's in the weight room, awesome. If that's in, in everyday life, when you walk into a job interview or you walk into, to say, even family functions, you know, how, how people look at you and treat you, stuff like that. I, I really wanna build positive habits for these guys. And if it's athletically and it gets you to the next level, that's a bonus to me. But I, I, really, want, I really want guys, girls, athletes in general just to be good people because we do get a lot of the spotlight we do get a lot of the the finger pointing as well you know when stuff don't go as right when you know things are going hard dealing with some adversity I like seeing that kids are prepared to handle that and I think that if if, if I can compare a kid you know menti- mentally physically and, and spiritually I think that that it's given him a chance and all awesome points. And uh, we, James and I are echoing those, those sentiments all the time. Um, what were some of the things when you were making that transition from player to coach that was unexpected, maybe that you didn't realize coaches were doing this as you were, uh, you know, while you were playing. Um, I think that's such an interesting dynamic when people make that change. Um, what are, what are some of the things you kind of learned about either, either yourself or about coaches when you were making that transition? Um, and well, in life, even as a young adult, you get the, the feeling, um, of, of a coach that's, you know, say a player's coach or say a coach that coaches for money or a coach that, you know, that just traditionally has been here for a while and it's, it's my way or the highway. Um, I kind of just learned to, to just be open-minded, man. Like nobody, nobody besides God has, has it all scripted out and planned out. So, so what you think is best might not be best or even best for a certain situation or athlete. So I think that just, just being open-minded is something that I really getting into, into the profession. Um, cause I'm not an expert by any means. So I'm always looking to, to soak up information and, and learn something new. And I think that that's something that I've, I've embraced. You know, I, I have been able to, to be around great people, um, here at Spire, but at Perry High School as well. Um, my director at Perry High School, Mike Christinger, he's the director for Ohio High School Strength Conditioning for the state of Ohio. And, you know, you say that sometimes and some people might look at it like, oh, okay. But to me, I feel like a lot of respect comes from that. Not only, you know, the title he holds, but I watched the man work. <laughs> I watched the man work. I, know, I see what he does. I see how much he's involved. And that's the type of guy that it's just going to grow this profession and put credible people in situations to make an impact. And I think that it's awesome, man. It's just awesome to to be a part of that, but to be around people that, you know, I could soak up things from, I I think that's a blessing in itself. What a great point, dude. Being, being open-minded is so, 
so huge in this and it's and it's seems to be tough sometimes because we do certain things as a player and that helps us so then we become a coach and then we try to do exactly that with athletes and for some athletes it doesn't work and then it's you, what you hear a lot of times from the coaches is, oh, well, they just don't get it. It's just on them, right? But if you're not open-minded enough to learn enough or have these conversations with the athletes to try to help them, then I don't think you're you're benefiting them much as much as a coach. Um, going kind of transitioning a bit, perfect segue to a conversation we've had pretty recently um, amongst the T3 staff is kind of our curiosity versus – more like system-based approach to training. Um, and you just saying you got to have an open mind tells me that, you know, you're a little more towards that curiosity side, just like James is just like I am. Um, but where do you kind of stand on being a coach, being a performance coach, being a sport coach, where we need to be as, you know, as far as curiosity goes. And then as far as like having good solid, solid systems in place, where do you kind of sit on that spectrum? I, I think it's a happy medium of, of both. You know what I mean? You can, you have to be open-minded, you know, to a sense, but there's also the, there's also some fundamentals that have to be covered and touched before even progressing to, to say elite level movements. So I think that um, dominating the basics, like I said, is, is one of the key factors that helps set you up for success. Um, and I, I, I try to put it in, in just reality terms for my guys. I'm like, Guys, if, if we're a junior or senior and we're going over, you know, eighth grade to freshman level movements, we can only move so fast. <laughs> we can only progress so fast before I, I got to have you dominating certain stuff before we can can do those those elite level movements that you might see a guy that's an NFL doing or, or posting on on Instagram. There's a lot of and I love it now because even from yourself, I, I love the content you guys do because you see guys that. They're not even at college level yet. And they're doing some elite level stuff that's not only going to set them up for life, but they're exposed to that early in life. So it, it gives them even more of a chance. And that's something that I, I really, you know, love about you guys is that when you see somebody doing something like, like running uh, 22 miles an hour, that is not easy to do at, at 16, 17 years old. So I'm saying, um, I say that to say, man, it's possible though. It, it, you don't see that happening every single day, but it's possible. And um, kind of going back to how we started, man, you got to make up your mind that I'm going to dedicate my time to this. I'm going to dedicate my focus to this. And then, you know, try, try to really run, run with it. And it, it's, all, it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see. That's why I, I keep open mind about, you know, even a lot of stuff, you know, I, and I think it's just because I'm a learner, you know, especially in this, this profession, you're going to keep learning if you want to keep progressing. So I think that, you know, it's just a skill to have definitely being open-minded, but, but knowing when and where to, to, to do some things. Um, if, if, if we're that senior that, that, you know, really wants to be powerful, but we can't properly catch a hang clean do is, is the best thing to be hang cleaning. Probably not. We could probably get away with some progressional stuff like, like high pulls, like doing some deadlifts, some, some power shrugs, stuff like that helps us produce that power, but it's a little safer because, you know, mechanically, maybe you haven't worked on cleans up until your senior year, but not to say that this isn't the time to work on them. Cause I'm always a, a now is the time type of guy, if you're going to do something, but 
understand where you're at, progress and and give yourself a chance to not only have some longevity, but but eliminate some of those injuries that that are just that are just so avoidable, if you if if you will. I really like how you um, talked about movement competency in like almost like a grade level, right? So like we have, these are eighth grade movements, these are high school movements, and these are like college movement level competencies, almost like it's, you know, we have our first grade, uh, first grade reading level. And then, you know, this is where we should be reading at if we're a middle school kid. Um, you know, so as you're, as you're working with kids and, you know, the, the state of our general health and well-being as, as a population has kind of been on, on a decline. And we've seen it in just that general level of activity in our, in our youth athletes and then in our high school athletes. What are some of those core movement competencies that, that we're not seeing anymore that usually like we, when we grew up, we're like, oh, this is easy. You know, we used to go play tag and we used to go play in the, in the cul-de-sac and everybody was playing multiple sports. What are some of those movement competencies that we might've lost that most high school kids should, should be ready and, and able to do that, that we're kind of as strength coaches having to take a step back and almost reteach. I, I like a lot of body weight exercises. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get different, different athletes that are different sizes, but if you can control your body, so now we're going to help give us a chance to succeed athletically, but limit that injury like I talked about. So I think that if you, if you have a guy that, you know, can, can shuffle really quick, but he can't put that foot in the ground, change direction efficiently, I, I think, you know, that that is an issue. You know, that, that's something to uh, me as a coach that sticks out to me. You're really fast. You're really quick. You know, your feet necessarily don't come close together, but when it's time to change direction, like that game-like movement, that's where we struggle. And even sometimes dissecting it that far and, and just um, getting a kid exposed to that, that type of coaching, but that type of attention to detail is huge at a, at a high level. So I think to dominate a lot of that body weight stuff, a lot of those free movements, you know, dominate that stuff first. Then we can add resistance. Then we can add um, overspeed. Now we can, we can add those things and do it at, at a successful level, do it at, do it at a high level. Um, I, I do see some kids, you know, they're, they're a junior or senior, you know, they're thinking they should be at those high level movements and then they end up working backwards, if you will, because first of all, you're not doing the movement right. So you're getting probably about hopefully 50 to 60% of the benefit that you're supposed to get from this movement. And I'm not, I don't know, you guys can probably relate. I'm not a fan of wasting time or effort. So I think that, hey, if I'm going to do a movement, I might as well get the full benefits and do it right. Then do the movement and get away with accepting, you know, half or 60% of the benefit. Um, and then the next thing you guys know is injury, right? The more we're exposed to these bad patterns, um, the more liable they are to happen when we're out there in a game. So I think that, um, understanding that and, and understand how to approach your training um, sets you up for, for individual success, which leads to team success, you know, which would end, which ends up being a lot of those goals that, that these guys want. Jumping. I, th I, I think you use the term free, like free, you said uh, like free movements or free play or something like that. Um, I think it is a, is a big thing that we've started to use more recently because we feel like kids weren't exposed to it 
now like we were, you know, now, now they're playing video games and now they got tablets and now they're, you know, sitting on zoom calls in school and they're not really um, given the opportunity for, for free play. So we do something pretty often. We'll, we'll just do like free jumps, right? You'll get 10 minutes. You'll, you'll jump through over these boxes, onto these boxes, however you want to. And big thing, I see a big issue to answer, you know, something that James asked earlier from, from these kids and some of these movement patterns is they just aren't comfortable doing anything outside of what they've been taught in a weight room. Right. I'll say, Hey, be as creative as you can and jump over this box. And one had a 100 out of a hundred times, they'll be on two feet and they'll jump over a box and land on two feet. And I'll be like that. That's it. That's it. Like that's as creative <laughs> that's as you guys can get. Right. And then they'll, they'll go, Oh, okay. You wanted something different. And they'll jump off of two feet and land on top of the box with two feet. Right. And it's one of those things. Like, I don't think one you're getting able, you're, you're able to explore any type of movement qualities through just doing these very like regular fundamental jumps that you're ingrained in your mind is what we want to see as the jumps. Um, but also you're not exposing yourself to these different stimulus that you will feel on the court, right? Cause you ask a basketball player to do it, like to do, let's say the, the most consistent jump they would do in their game. And it's either a two foot jump where they land forward or backward, you know, like shooting a jump shot or a one foot layup where they jump off the left and land on the right. Um, and I think us as coaches need to just expose our athletes to, to those movement patterns a little more um, in the weight room, because it's something that I don't think that they're exposing themselves to when they're young. Um, and I guess that's kind of just my, my, my take on that. Um, pro day training, Corey, you're doing some pro day training stuff over there. Um, it's awesome that you had the experience to do the pro day training there yourself and then now you've kind of um you know transitioned to that and, and working with some guys i wish like i could go back 15 years and work with james as my pro day coach but unfortunately i i didn't have that so now i can only do the best you know that i can and, and learn from him to be able to, to coach some of these other guys what is um what's pro day training look like at, at spire there it's it's something that we're trying to explore um definitely with me being kind of one of the first you know, football guys to, to really come in here and try to and really do my training and take it from every aspect. And I think Spire is the type of place if they're going to do something, they want to do it right and 100 percent and they want to compete with, with the guys who are doing it. So um, I, I'm just looking to be a benefit to some of these guys that are looking to to take their level, take their training to a next level, but but shoot for that the big leagues. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a couple leagues you know you could play in if the NFL doesn't work out. But just being an asset to these guys, I, I usually ask them, um, you know, what are you looking for? So I have some guys that, that come in and, you know, they have the, the combine drills taken care of, you know, the 40-yard the dash, the 5-10-5, all that stuff. But I had most recently, if I had some guys just looking for some footwork, looking to get in indoors, looking to, to, to cut and backpedal and do some stuff like that um, indoors. And I think that's that's huge. So I've been able to, to kind of be an asset there, but um, breaking down details to these guys, because I'm even learning that there's a lot of these guys that might have been, you know, training for five years at, at these programs, you know, division one through division three, but the attention to detail is always something that is eye opening to me. Um, I think that, you know, 
I just speaking from my experience, man, that's that's when I excelled. That's when I learned a lot when I was doing it in college. You know, I had I had a great strength coach and and I made up my mind to to apply myself and, and give it, you know, full effort. But are you really taking that from the coaches that are in place? And and are the coaches doing that? Because that is a coach's job for sure. Um, so just being able to, you know, point, point out some details, help some guys clean up some cuts. And it, it's awesome. It's awesome. Let alone watch these guys, you know, chase after NFL opportunity. It's something that that is grateful to, to be able to do it myself, but it's awesome to be around just guys that are, you know, same goal driven and goal oriented, you know, like I was at one point in my life, but to help them chase that, it's definitely, it's purpose driven. And I think that's huge in life. You get in these situations where coaches, let's say the division one coach is, has his eyes, maybe some assistance eyes, and then he's got 105 players. So I, I know that that's a tough situation for them to be able to give the athletes the most focus, right? So it's great opportunity for these athletes now to take themselves out of that situation and, and work with you and do some one-on-one and small group stuff. Um, with the understanding that now there's one set of eyes on two guys or three guys. Um, Cause I think we try our best. And I, and I think the strength coaches at those levels try their best to help the athletes they can, but I think it's sometimes they're just kind of like handcuffed because they've got three of them and they've got to run, you know, speed training with a hundred, 105 guys um, on a football team. What are some of your favorite drills for acceleration when you're working with, with some of these guys? Um, James and I talk a ton about them and we've got, we've got a couple skip variations and, you know, like start variations that we like, are there, are there a few that you kind of, have fallen towards and, and find yourself using more often? Um, I, I can kind of relate to you guys. Um, kind of just follow that that uh, that march to skip, to, to bound, to run type of progressions. Um, but to get them to understand that these drills that we're doing, these marches that we're doing, you know, these wall switches that we're doing, you know, for knee separation and thigh separation, it, it's, it's to translate to when we're running. <laughs> like some of the guys just drill it and they don't even – like, I want you to do this when you're actually running, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, going, it's going to benefit you. So um, yeah. getting them to understand that first, but then to see it, to see it translate over, man. Um, and, and like I said, man, you could, you could take a kid that's been doing no training and give him the most basic workout, and you're going to see some improvements. And I think that, number one, that's awesome. But then say you get a kid that is, is a little higher level. And so there are some things that, you know, some, some athletes are ready for different things, but I think, you know, keeping it open, exposing these guys to a lot of stuff, um, getting them consistent at the basics. Um, like you said, marches, wall drills, you know, things like that for acceleration. But sometimes a lot of these guys aren't doing top end training. And I think with getting faster, being able to run, I think that is something that it's huge. If you're just doing acceleration drills and you're expecting to get faster in your overall 40, 60, 100 meter, you know, 200 meter dash, whatever, I think you're going to struggle because you never hit that max velocity top end speed. And as you guys know, that's the most injury risk part of training when you train speed It is the top end because you're at such a high velocity. But if you touch it once or twice, you know, with fresher legs, you know, maybe towards the beginning of the week, things like that. I, I really see the benefit of that paying off for these kids that 
only run when it's sport time or only run when it's in season time. And I think that if you're running in the off season, man, you're giving yourself a pretty good chance to, to, to not, not let alone be fast, but be powerful, be explosive when the season does come. And, and I think guys are, are definitely helping pick that up and to, to keep that going. That's why I think we're seeing guys that are, you know, squatting 400, 500 pounds in high school, guys that are power cleaning, you know, 400 pounds in high school, man. Like, I can't get under that bar right now and give you a 400 pound, you know, power clean, but to see some of these young guys do it, man, it fires me up, man. It fires me up because it tells somebody's doing something right. And, and for me to, to see it pay off for that kid, man, that's, that's why we do what we do. Yeah, I think it's it, either it, that or the hormones and the food, right? <laughs> if somebody's doing something right or they're pumping these, this food with too many hormones, James. It's got to be the Chipotle availability with just the, the amount of calories we're getting in. That but, protein, you know, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, what you were kind of saying there is like, hey, if we want to get better at 40s, like we need to run 40s often um, because often, otherwise we're not yeah. getting to that top end speed. Uh, but that's like the last thing kids want to do. Um, if, if I have a baseball player I'm working with and he wants to run 60s, um, yeah, I get it. Sometimes it's cold. We're limited in space. We can't always get outside to run 60s. But like there's ways to make it work where you can just go out and sprint almost anywhere and, and, and be fine and be better off than not doing those extra 660s per week. That, that'll pay off probably more than everything else we're doing. Um, but we're so resistant to do the thing that's going to make us better at the thing that we're trying to do. Um, you know, how do you, how do you relate that to, to the athletes that you work with, um, when it comes to kids that are already really, really strong, but they might be lacking in some other area, like their sports skill, um, where maybe the weight room, isn't the answer for them to be a, a better athlete, but being the strength coach, um, like those are the kids we're often drawn to. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I like that you said, um, sometimes our, our space is limited and, you know, nine times out of 10, I don't have that problem here at Spire, but I go to Perry after school, which is another very well fortunate high school, has some awesome facilities, but everyone is training after school. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and in some type of sport or, you know, getting some extra work in because they have lifting classes during the school day. Um, but it's just an opportunity to, to, to get in where you fit in, man. Um, don't really have that problem here at Spire, but I, I go to Perry and sometimes, you know, we're running on the football field, we're running in the indoor that they have there, but, but sometimes I'm like, guys, the indoor is full. We're going to go attack this hallway. And you see, you know, sometimes like, oh, I don't want to run in the hallway. I hate running in the hallway, but it's like, guys, realize what you showed up here today to do what was run, was, was the sprint. And that's what I kind of do. Um, I kind of really help lead those speed sessions over there after school as well as helping with weights, but I'm like, we're here to run. So it's, you know, you could take the, the atmosphere out of it because you never, you can't always control the atmosphere, but you now how hard are you going to go in this hallway? How hard are you going to go on these steps? You know, the, the things that we can do right now, how hard are you going to attack them? Because, it, you know, if you take this day off running in the hallway, you know, that's a, that's a day that we could have just got better. And you're speaking of being exposed to running and sprinting often. You know, that's a day that you just took a step back instead of taking a step forward. So I think just embracing, embracing where you're at, embracing um, the situations that you're put in, big, small, positive, negative, man, you got to, it's life. 
that's 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 life skills right there so it's just gotta you know make up your mind that no matter what happens no matter you know what adversity comes you know i'm i'm still gonna put my head down i'm still going to work and stay consistent it's that walk-on mentality got to got to man and i think that that not only drives me man but when you get a kid that has has earned a scholarship whether it be walk-on or right out of high school man it doesn't stop there you know what i mean and and can't speak for everybody because sometimes that that fulfillment does drop that that motivation for a kid but for for the strong foundational people that really get a good grasp on why they're doing what they're doing and 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 who they do it for those guys keep going and not only to see them hit their goals but then to hit goals that they never thought that they would hit man that's that's when we're really starting to 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 talk next level type of impact not not even training but next level type of impact on another man's life or or a female's life um and i say that too because there are some girls getting after it, man. We just got to let that be known. There, there are some girls getting after it. And um, I, I love it. I love it. Um, kind of in high school, you, you know, you might see, or why, why does this guy coach a girl sport? Or why does, why does, you know, this coach co- coach a guy or a girls coach a guy sport? And it's like, look into it. You know, you ask the question why, but you know, when I was younger, I really didn't look into it, man. And when, it, when you really look back and look into it, doesn't matter who the athlete is, you know, what gender they are, they're bought in. And this person is bringing the best out of that group of athletes, whether it be female, male, um, co-ed, you know, whichever. And I think that that's awesome too, man, because I think that, you know, just being a football player in a football locker room around guys, you know, 99% of the time, um, there are those 1% of female that are, that are different, but um, it, it's awesome to just embrace it, be, be around it let alone have, have some impact on it. it, it it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. would love to always love seeing when, when women get into, into the strength and conditioning field, I think they can have, they have such a huge impact and can and do such an awesome job. I know some of the most badass coaches I've worked with at T3 have been, have been women and just learned to, or learned a lot from them. So it's awesome to see them out there. Um, a little more, you want to transition a little bit, Corey, back to the Spire stuff and then um, ask you a couple questions, man, and then we'll be at the end of our time and we'll get you out of here and, and then we're going to find out how uh, how that caffeine is is feeling as it's kicking in. So are you, you guys moving able- around a little bit more? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sweat a little bit. Um, are you guys able to, and if so, how, are you able to kind of take advantage of technology over at over Spire? Huge facility, a lot of stuff going on. A um, lot of great athletes, and and I and I bring that question up because I see some you know some of your Instagram posts and and whatnot about technology you guys are using. Um, how are you able to use technology to your benefit at at Spire? Um, I think a lot of this technology that's out here today, man, is is it's fueling the training. It's given us you know numbers to chase, but it's also given us consistent data to to track progression, and I, I think that's huge um, with just consistency. You know what I mean? You just getting, getting guys to understand, like, you might have came in and, and ran this 40 a month ago, but standing here today, you know, you might have a time that's that's maybe two, three hundred of a second off, and you're like, man, I don't understand. Awesome. L- allow me to explain to you <laughs> why you're getting the results that you are, 
and, and it, it is technology, man. It's not always, you know, going to be a hundred percent, but um, just giving these guys, you know, something to chase, something to look at, you know, some feedback besides coach Corey, just telling me that I need to, to get a better, better acceleration angle or, or pick my knees up a little bit. Um, it, it's feedback. And one of the big things that I use that, that it's at everybody's disposal is, is a video camera. Uh, use your cell phone, use, use these iPads. Um, because I'm learning and I've learned over the years that, that a lot of people learn better visually than, than even just verbally. And I think a lot of, a lot of times when, when you have numbers, it's harder to, to record 50 guys running a 40, but I think, um, you know, breaking down some, some reps and showing the whole group, because a lot of guys can relate to each other and, and kind of have the same issues, but pointing those things out, but, but showing them as well is, is huge because that leads up until the progression that will get them over the edge. Um, and sometimes it just takes one video and they see it. And now they're starting to, to, to take a better step towards those improvements. Um, talking about range of motion and things like that. Um, and, and they see it paying off. Um, another thing is, you know, the dasher systems and the Tendo units and, and things like that, that track speed, bar speed and, and you know, movement speed as well. Guys, they want to be fast. So, man, you, 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 you kind of tell them, hey, you know, if, if we're getting, if we're moving this, this decent weight at, at 0.7.8 meters per second, man, that's fast. That's translating to speed, getting them to realize that, you know, helps with intent to training sometimes. And, and it, it leads to the, the results that these guys want, man. And it's, it's awesome to be able to have this kind of stuff um, in the world that we live in today, where it's so technology driven and um, it's growing every day. So I think that, you know, staying up to date with those things, but also kind of how you how you apply it is definitely better than than I think what you are applying um so not to say that you have to get the newest thing every time it comes out but understanding you know what what data you're going to get from this and, and what feedback you're going to get from that is is important to to upgrade your level of training I'll say yeah, I mean you said a lot of really good points there um I, I want to wrap up, bro, with a couple questions about you before we before we ask you a final question and ask you what you think we're missing. Um, but you had mentioned habits, um, which is a great way to point it. Routines, um, non-negotiables. Are there some things that you have in your daily life that you have to do every day? Um, that you know, again, we call non-negotiables or routines or habits that you check the box. And each time you do those and have a day where you've done all these things, you feel like it's been a, it's been a good day. Um, just, you know, being in a, a profession that, you know, impact is, is one of our main things. And, and personally, one of my main things, you know, being able to impact somebody, have a positive impact on somebody, but being able to, to just free my mind, um, being able to just get that fuel for my mind mentally. Um, I think is something huge. And I think, you know, it, it leads you to connect with people that are like-minded. And I say that because, um, you know, kind of how we met, you know, we met com competing out on, on a professional football field. And um, it translates into you finding out, you know, about that person, about that athlete. And then you, you just look at the connections, man. And I say that to say, like, I get motivation from you sometimes, even by the things you post, you know what I mean? And I, I know that that's, 
that happens for a lot of guys that follow me as well. And I take that upon myself to put it out there because, you know, I was a kid looking for that extra motivation or just that extra knowledge to help improve myself athletically. But little did I know unconsciously mentally as well. So uh, I think that's huge, man. I, I wake up every day and some people are, are uh, oh, you shouldn't, you know, your phone shouldn't be the first thing you check. Um, yeah, yes and no. It depends what you got on there. You know what I mean? Um, I, I do follow a lot of motivational speakers and a lot of um, motivational things. And I, I find a lot of positive impact in that. You know, I'm, I'm constantly reading positive stuff. So, and, and hopefully God willing, I'm, I'm giving it back out. And I think that that's a big thing to me that when I wake up in the morning, I got to fuel my mental first, um, you know, and I, I have it sitting here with me. I got devotionals and, and things like that, that I read even more and more on a daily basis, um, let alone read the Bible and um, just fuel my mind mentally first before I can go give it back out. Man, that's huge. That's huge to me. Corey, awesome. I love, I love that answer because it's unique and, and it, 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 it proves that like there isn't, you don't have to do X, Y, and Z to be successful. Like if waking up and reading a couple powerful things on your phone is the first thing you do and that benefits you do it. Um, as opposed to saying like, you can't be on a phone for two hours, otherwise you're not going to be a productive sex, successful human being. So I love, right. I love that openness and yep. answer and, and, you know, be you and, and do what's successful for you that, that gets you in the right mindset, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely, man. And be able to help guys, you know, figure out ways to get that done because, you know, we live in, we live in a world where a lot of people have phones, but there are still some people on this, this world that can't afford a cell phone or, or aren't fortunate enough for their parents to be able to, to, to pay for their cell phone bill and let alone keep it on and working. So sometimes, man, just, just being open-minded, like I said, um, cause not every kid has what you had. And, and some kids definitely have more than what you had. So I think it's, it's an awesome, happy medium when, when you're talking about impacting kids to be able to relate to, to different situations. That's great, man. Do you have a favorite college football memory when you think about your days at Akron? Oh, man, I, I mean, these guys can tell you, too. I take a lot of pride in my in my career, let alone just because of, the, you know, the sacrifices I made, but my family has made as well. So I really take it to heart, man. But, you know, we were, we were able to do some good things at Akron, man. I was I was blessed, you know, part, part of one of the, the most winningest teams and times there at Akron, which I take a lot of pride in. Played with some awesome people, man, some freak athletes that, you know, growing up wouldn't even imagine myself on the same field as them. But, you know, you know, God works in great ways, man. And I think I was fortunate enough to be in some some really good games. I think I was actually reading something the other day and I, I'm thinking about there was one year where we played out of our, what, 10 to 12 games. We literally played, I think, six or seven teams, eight teams that were all bowl eligible, which is like six plus wins, which is which is very competitive. But oh, yeah. for us to be in that category, man, and competing, it's something that Akron hasn't really touched. And uh, I know we have, you know, they won the MAC championship in 2005, but I was a part of our first bowl win in school history back in 2015. We went up to Boise, Idaho, and uh, we took down Utah State, um, which, is a, which is a team that was consistently there, consistently winning those things. I don't know, they probably had like four or five Idaho potato bowl rings. Um, 
but we were out there hungry trying to get our first one man and, and we we're at we bought in to the to the process man and we got it done in 2015 uh my junior year and it's a blessing to be a part of that man because it it gets brought up now and and something like that's forever man so you know I, I definitely wear that ring with pride and um got a little something to show off you know for the guys to just to motivate them and and to get them realizing that accomplishing your goals is one thing but where it could lead you for life skills is also another and I think that they go hand in hand man so you know chase your goals also while improving yourself and getting yourself ready for life it's it's an awesome process yes man 100 percent um what's the future look like for Corey Blano um a lot a lot of learning and growing man like I'm I'm still in I'm still been doing this for about six, seven years now, but still learning, growing every day, but also trying, trying to progress, um, finding what level fits me and finding out where I have the biggest impact. And if that is one sport focused or kind of like I find myself now having a hand in, in, in a lot of different sports, it's just opening up my, my knowledge to, to certain athletes. And then, you know, what sports need what, but what, is getting the best results for certain sports. I think for me, tapping into that um, a little bit more and just staying consistent on that will be something that I'm looking forward to, man. I, I'm, I always look at, you know, I love the people that I continuously train and that, that continuously invest in themselves. But you guys know it as coaches, man, when you get that, that new person to come train that you're like, oh, we got some work to do. I can't wait to, 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 to get going because there's a lot of progressing to do. Um, you know, things like that always keep me, keep me pumped and ready to go. That's why you guys could probably feel the same, man. I don't, I don't feel like we go, go to work often where we're kind of, kind of in that profession to where we're, we're blessed to get the, to just go have impact on people's lives instead of, you know, the traditional nine to five. Heck yeah, man. Last, last question before, what are we missing? Um, and it's been one of my favorite questions recently. Uh, what is your favorite sports movie? Sports movie. Without yeah. a doubt, without a doubt, off the top of my head, it's Remember the Titans, man. Oh, all man. the all the points that that movie hits. Um, but before you even get to that, man, I still watch it to this day, and I get a new concept every single time. Yeah. And I just think about think back to myself when I first saw that movie, not interpreting it kind of how I do now, um, but kind of thinking back to my my child eyes. I didn't even notice what was all going on in that movie, man. I'm just noticing these dudes coming together and playing football, um, you know, and every high school football was always been, you know, the dream of mine to, to, I thought when I was little, I thought the high school guys were, were professional athletes, man. Like our, our high school starting running back was the dude, you know what I mean? So um, being able to relate to that movie a little bit, but helping it apply to my life. Cause I think there's a lot of life lessons in that movie. And um of course, Denzel Washington is, in my opinion, one of the greatest actors out there. So I feel like I, I can always pick up what, what he's trying to, the message that he's trying to get across. And um, of course, it is a football movie too. So, so go figure. But yeah, remember the <laughs> Titans is, is, the, is the GOAT. Remember the Titans is the GOAT. <clears throat> yeah, last time I watched that, sometime last year, I was screaming, crying when I was done. And I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't emotionally handle this. Yeah. But once yeah. a year. Um, it's deeper every time man man it's, it's crazy <clears throat> Corey. last question man what do you what do you think we're missing what do you think uh coaches are missing in the in the strength and conditioning industry 
Um, and it, it, it depends kind of how you look at it. Cause some, I'm open-minded, but some guys, you know, consider themselves strength conditioning and some, you know, consider themselves, but are kind of on the outside looking in, man. I think that just, just an open-minded collaborative approach, like, and I think I can almost reference, you know, my brother Roy for almost everything, but he, he had a saying where it's like, um, collaboration over competition. That's what's going to lead to overall success um, worldwide. And I think if we're, if we're looking to, to link up with people and grow, opposed to be better than somebody else, I think that's really what's going to prolong this profession, man. It's, it's collaborative over competition, man, because we are competitive athletes. That's what we do. We are competitive. But think back to when you were that kid that, you know, was trying to reach out for help or trying to look for that extra thing to do. If you didn't have that person willing to give you that time, that respect and that knowledge, you might not end up as, as blessed as, as some of these situations out here. So I think it, the collaborative approach, networking is huge. It's huge. And, we, and it's something that we can always do better at. Where can we find you, bro? People looking for you on social media. Where can we? Yeah, I, I try to keep. Uh, I try to keep my my handles nice and plain. Um, I, I am a guy that I pride myself, man. I was on social media early, so and I was two two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I had, I had it, I had it, man. And I was encouraging other guys to, hey, man, you should make a Twitter because you can reach out to this person, you can see this person, get these thoughts. Um, so all my Twitter, all my handles are are usually just Corey Morrow. Um, it's C-O-R-Y. There's no E in my name. So don't, don't throw that extra letter in there. Um, but Corey Morrow on Instagram, on Twitter, um, you know, Facebook, you know, it's, it's all just Corey Morrow. So and I'm interactive, man. I like to meet new people. And, and even if, you know, we don't interact and you just like what I post every day, man, that's, that's impact in itself. And I, I don't take that lightly either. So absolutely, man. And you guys as well. I know you guys, kind of have have the same thing going on social media wise and things like that and definitely even encourage or recommend you guys to, to athletes that are looking for certain stuff because you know this world's a big place and um you know if somebody is definitely like hey man I'm I'm in the Avon area but I just I can't get the spire all the time man it, it's 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 far away I'm like man I know some guys at T3 that that will just set you up. You know what I mean? So I, I, and that's that collaborative approach, man, because at the end of the day, I want what's best for that kid. And, and that's the way I'm always going to approach it. Right, man. Well said. Thank you, bro. So much for, for sharing your knowledge, sharing your story. Um, if you enjoyed this, follow Corey on all his social medias, hit him up. Um, like you said, he's, he's active. He'll, he'll point you in the right direction. If you can need a little bit of word of advice, some inspiration, he's your guy for that too. Thank you everybody for listening to episode 35 of cutoffs and coffee. Again, this has been coach, uh, coach Corey Morrow, three things we ask at the end of every episode one, please continue to practice gratitude. Tell the people that you love, that you love them every opportunity you get. And just like Corey, he's now living his life stimulated, drinking his first cup of coffee. Please do the same thing. Live your life. Stimulating. Thank y'all. We'll see y'all in the next one.